financial market industry to U.S. side, especially on the insurance, on the banking, and even on the pension uh, industry side. So that's uh, showing the confidence of the uh, the uh, financial industry. Thirdly, the import from U.S. will increase at least by 100 billion U.S. dollars, mostly energy, agriculture, and manufacturing service. And between 2011 and 2017, the increase of import of goods and services was by 3.7 percent, 12 percent respectively. So that will show a significant increase uh, from U.S. imports in those uh, sectors uh, for the coming years. So the, all, all the three, I think, that will change the sentiment of the uh, Chinese economic growth. So it all sounds very positive. Yanan, thanks very much indeed. Good to talk to you. That's Yanan Wu, who's chairman of Zhenrong Bao up in Beijing. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Asian markets are starting to accelerate a little bit this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia is now up 0.2% in Japan. Uh, the Nikkei 225 up 0.1%. Over in South Korea, the Cosby's up half a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 40 points at the open this morning. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading at $65.68 a barrel. Gold is slightly firmer as well, $1,558 an ounce. And in the currency markets, the US dollar's at 110.2 against the Japanese yen. Thank you very much indeed for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. Back chat's coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, cool in the morning, sunny periods during the day. Maximum temperature of about 21 degrees. Will be sunny periods in the next few days, but humid with fog in the middle of the latter parts of this week, and it will be warm during the day. Temperature right now 17 degrees, and it's 77% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. China has reported a third death from the new virus discovered in Wuhan. In Wuhan, 136 new cases were found over the weekend, two new cases in the capital, Beijing, and one in Guangdong, raising concerns of the disease spreading ahead of the Lunar New Year when millions of people begin trips home. China has announced far-reaching measures to reduce plastic waste as a means of countering the country's enormous pollution problems. Here's the BBC's Stephen MacDonald. Plastic bags are to be banned in Chinese cities by the end of this year, as will single-use straws in restaurants. There will be some exemptions to the ban, such as markets selling fresh produce. Smaller towns and cities will be given until 2022 to implement the new rules. Plastic utensils, as well as tubs for takeaway food, will also be phased out. Pollution from plastic is one of China's most serious environmental challenges, whether it be in landfill or waterways. The rapid increase in people's standard of living over several decades has led to an explosion in takeaway food consumption here. However, rubbish management systems and recycling have not been able to keep up. Violent demonstrations in the Lebanese capital, Beirut, have ended after security forces used tear gas and rubber bullets against stone-throwing anti-government protesters. Hundreds of demonstrators are reported to have been injured over the weekend as months of protests against Lebanon's ruling elite continue. Here's the BBC's Sebastian Usher. 
The image of peaceful protests bringing together all sections of Lebanese society with women at the forefront, which had been celebrated as a sign of hope both inside and outside Lebanon, for several hours turned into a riot. Mainly young men threw stones, some torn from the cladding of luxury buildings, at the security forces, which responded with water cannon and then tear gas and, according to eyewitnesses, rubber bullets. Dozens were injured. The protesters say they've had enough of the entire political class, which, they say, has failed to act on their desperate calls for change. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host this Monday morning is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. And we're going to be talking again today about the protests after yesterday's clashes in Central and in Mongkok and in other places. And we're looking at the operation of the Legislative Council in the light of those ongoing protests. Pan-Democrats have for months been filibustering proceedings of the House Committee in a bid to pressure the government to accept the five demands, resulting in the repeated failure of the committee to even choose a chairperson. Lawmakers have now endorsed a government motion allowing a long-awaited maternity leave bill to circumvent normal procedure through the manpower panel. Administration officials say they do not intend to skip the House Committee when it handles other bills. What do you make of that decision? What do you make of the events yesterday in which two policemen were beaten and the organiser of the rally arrested. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or call us, and our number is 233-88266. That's the number to call us if you want to speak to our guests. And uh, speak to Hong Kong, 233-88266 is the number. Joining us for our discussion in our central studio, we have Emily Lau, former legislator with the uh, Democratic Party, and Alan Long, governor of the Path of Democracy. Fred Lee, a former legislator, will also be joining us uh, later in the programme. Just a few comments um, related to uh, the protest and, and sort of catching up on issues. Uh, Mark, we had Ventus Lau uh, as a guest, uh, in fact, who's been arrested uh, as a guest in Friday's programme. Uh, Martin, in an email, says, did Ventus Lau just say that the protesters made mistakes but won't repeat them again and there was only one death. I guess he referred to the poor cleaner who was killed by a brick thrown by rioters. No reaction from the hosts to a cold-blooded statement. Imagine Carrie Lam made a similar statement. And uh, Andrew, uh, who I think is, was watching the uh, events yesterday, uh, this is Andrew Kay, says, uh, uh, watching, now, uh, TV, watching Now TV on Sunday afternoon, the rioters stroke protesters, now one and the same to me, wandering around central vandalising public property. More serious policing require, required. If I did it, I would be in jail. Why are they not? Uh, he adds, the police should not allow these little brats to stand on the cenotaph. It's there to honour the people who died to give everyone today uh, the rights they enjoy, even though our little freedom fighters have no clue what that means. Share details on the money trail with us taxpayers, uh, says uh, Andrew Kay. And then in another email he says, how about having PLA troops to protect the cenotaph and stop these little thugs from setting foot in it? Uh, There's a couple of uh, emails on other issues, including Bowen, uh, talking about the uh, IPCC uh, report. Maybe we'll get to those a little bit later. Uh, Emily Lab, I'd uh, just like to hear, first of all, perhaps, before we get to the LegCo issue, just kind of your reaction to, to, to what happened yesterday. What did you read about those demonstrations and, and what happened? Well, I mean, many people turned out, and that shows that uh, Hong Kong people 
are going to be very, very persistent. They are not going to stop. Could they at least stop smashing up public property? Well, I mean, of course, people take uh, responsibility for their actions. I do not support violence. I never did. Uh, but as you can see, those who did what Mike said and many did not do it. But the, 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 I think the signal that should go out to Hong Kong, to Beijing and to the international community is that many Hong Kong people are very, very fed up, very angry and very persistent. I mean, people have been telling me that, you know, Hong Kong is making huge sacrifices, which is true. But there are people maybe increasing number of people who are willing to do it and who will not give up until the government responds to our demands. Or until they are arrested. Oh, yeah. Well, if some are arrested, some may even be charged or sent to prison, others will come. Mike, that's Hong Kong. So how many can you arrest? I have asked Beijing. Are we going to build uh, uh, 1,000 more prisons or internment camps like in Xinjiang? You, you don't treat Hong Kong people like that. Most of the protesters, the Hong Kong people, are very reasonable. And many people would accept and admit that the demands are very reasonable uh, and not what some people allege. They're all just economic. They cannot get housing. Uh, they want more money. Emily, I've written in support many times of the demands, but I'm absolutely outraged by this mindless vandalism. Well, too bad, Mike. I mean, there are people who are doing these things and some know they will have to pay, as <laughs> Arthur Lee once said. But there are many people... Many, many Hong Kong people who are still very persistent and very angry. Okay, if they have to pay a heavy price, so be it. And so will Hong Kong. So where is the Hong Kong government and Beijing driving Hong Kong? Are we going to sink to the bottom of the Victoria Harbour? I think we're on the way. Yeah. So is this what we want? Are there reasonable people, powerful people who want to do something reasonable, legitimate, to try to stop this? Is it time we stopped allowing these marches? I, of course not. But they provide a cover for vandals. But and we, we, have... we say that most of the people marching do not support the vandalism, but it, the fact is that they are providing a cover. But there are people who want to demonstrate, and there have been marches taking place in the past which did not get the police permission, and I've taken part in those, and they were very peaceful. Look at the one, not even a march, the one in uh, Victoria Park not too many weeks ago, when it was pouring rain. People were completely drenched, and the park, of course, was completely filled. Then what did the people do? The people went out and let the others come in, and then those who've gone out, some of them went back in again, and there was not a single police officer in sight. And there was no vandalism. Alan Lung, good morning to you. Good <coughs> morning. Thanks for joining us once again. Your thoughts on those uh, events yesterday? Well, I, you should, we should be pleased that the so-called vandalism died down a bit. There was a, some fights, some tear gas, but the black shirts were, were smaller in numbers. And I think one of the things you to, to stop the, uh, the sort of violence, mindless violence, 
It's really someone has to follow the money trail, as I mentioned before. Okay, uh, uh, right. Uh, the audit the where, where audit where the money comes from. I think it some sets the, uh, the 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 sort of dying down of uh, vandalism is related to a Taiwan Taiwan election because uh, Taiwan won. And my observation is probably related to the uh, new uh, director of uh, of uh, Chinese liaison office coming down. I mean, he he was he was publicly he was giving some reconciliation reconciliatory statement to the youth in the uh, in his first public speech, but really he's a he's a guy who knows the uh, you know what's going on in mainland and in Hong Kong. He said it was heart wrenching what was happening in Hong Kong. Yes, which is con conciliatory, very different from the his predecessor who's. Really, really a hotline. Okay, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let me, because you, because you're leaving kind of lots of gaps in what you're saying. Are you, your uh, is your thought that the protests in Hong Kong are, are, are really happen because of outside money um, stirring things up? Is that right? Probably inside money. Inside money, money, money in Hong Kong. Money provided from inside China. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. So you're sure. saying you mean, but outside Hong Kong, are you saying? Are you you're talking about mainland? You're talking. But, but Alan, I'm just that... trying to elucidate what you're what you're actually saying because you're leaving lots of gaps. <laughs> yes, I mean the the origin was surely genuine public anger at that there, legislation. There, there there is real public anger in the public, but I mean, what's... some someone who is really angry don't don't take the risk of smashing up. Right. Uh, well, so the trouble, okay, I think the argument might be that somebody who's really angry might not smash things up, but if they're ignored, pet, but if they're ignored for twenty years and they don't get and they don't have any attention paid to them or they're not heeded, again and again and again, and you have large scale uh, demonstrations and they don't seem to make any difference. Some, some of them might get very angry and they might fight the police and mm. really create some disturbances. But throwing back petrol bombs, smashing up banks, that, that requires some more motivation before, before they would do that. Mm. That's my simply observation. Would it be then your position, I don't, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth either, that once the general anger had started a current, I, I called it a tidal wave, that people who wished China ill then rode, surfed the wave. Yes, I, I I think uh, I I read the uh, Reuters story. I think some time ago, it just oh. came up just before last end of last year. A lot of lot of it was unsaid. That's my observation. Oh, they I, they I, didn't I, say they didn't say openly where the money come come from. Hmm. Because um, the people who have that money say that it's made by it's donated by individuals in Hong Kong quite legitimately. Yeah, and, and in the last few program, I said money once is turned into cash is sort of washed. You know, uh, what's the right word for wash? Washing money um, laundered. Laundered. <laughs> but there, there's talk of uh, maybe the American government itself not producing money, but some hardline right wingers in the states quite happy to put up some money to tarnish China. 
Well, if, ne- the, and if necessary, the, via Taiwan. There, there are two very significant articles, some real investigation, investigative journalism going on by Reuters and Bloomberg. Bloomberg said there are 245 million I'm not sure that, you know, Chinese English, I got confused. I think it's 240 million. Those are the money that can be traced. Uh, what about money that cannot be traced? It might be times, multiple times of that 254 millions. Things don't happen without some, some real motivation. And the Reuters article, neither the Reuters article nor the nor the Bloomberg article told the whole story. You're saying the mo- and the motivation for the protests is this money? No, protests, peaceful protests, they come up in peace voluntarily. But those who really smash things up, really do, you know, slash police neck, beat people up, smash up banks, those require more motivation. Mm-hmm. So the black shirts... Uh, Emily Lau, do you want to respond? Sorry. Um, do you agree? I don't know. I think when we make comments, we have to have evidence. Just like uh, we challenged C.Y. Leung many years ago when he was chief executive and he said in the Legislative Council that uh, uh, there was foreign interference. And people say, OK, OK, where is the evidence? And up to today, this very minute... C.Y. Leung has produced nothing. So I think we, we, we believe in the rule of law. People are, of course, free to speculate and say whatever comes out of their lips. But I think we need evidence. And, and I think there is evidence that people have donated a lot of money. You've seen all the foundations, the funds set up, and they for, they're for very specific purpose. But for other things, uh, I can't say because I don't have evidence. And I'm not here peddling ideas which cannot be backed up. Do you agree with Mr Long that there should be an investigation, though? Well, if there is an independent commission of inquiry, I have said many times, it is not just to target the police, which some people kept saying, and that's why they object to it. And I said, that's rubbish. Nobody is saying that we just want the inquiry to target the police. It should target all the other major issues, like, okay, if there's foreign interference, if there's mainland interference, if there's money, there's firearms, whatever. Just have an investigation. Why have so many people uh, died, Uh, so many people, so many bodies being fished out of the harbour, so many people jumped from tall high buildings, and the police commissioner kept saying, oh, it's so unfair, every time someone died, you accuse the police. Of course we shouldn't do that, we don't have evidence. But these are very disturbing things which should be investigated. Uh, Otherwise, Hong Kong's reputation as, as a city that respects the rule of law, that has personal safety and all that, is being very seriously tarnished. Uh, Alan Long, isn't it a bit odd that those people that you say are the beneficiaries of this of this uh, money are the ones who are calling for an independent commission of inquiry, whereas the, the, it's, every, it's the government who is, who's blocking it? Everybody agrees that there should be a commission of inquiry. Well, no. The, Except the government. <laughs> Except the government, Except the people yes. people who organise the commission of inquiry. Yeah. But everybody else. Well, why is that? Well, why is that? If they, if if there was this money, to <laughs> they probably approved, afraid that the truth will come out. I mean, there's, there's, there's. Why uh, would they be afraid? They would be afraid. Why? Why? Because 
they uncover things they do not like to make public, probably. And you, we don't know what those things are. I have a feeling that Reuters has the evidence, but for some reason, they're not disclosing it publicly. That's, that's my, my observation. I mean, there's, there's some real motivation for, for big news agencies like Reuters and Bloomberg to look into the fundamentals of the soundness of Hong Kong, the political risk of Hong Kong as an international financial center. And they, they have more than 100 journalists each have more than 100 journalists based in Hong Kong. Of course, they cover the region. But 100 journalists means that they can, they can sort of re redeploy people to investigate things that they really care about. But, but Alan, a lot of the Reuters narrative was that the origin of the extradition bill was in fact the anti-corruption uh, unit in the party of yes. the mainland. yes. That that part they 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 came up clearly, that you know you know it's it's not really a Hong Kong instigated thing. It's instigated by them. My understanding from uh, from talking to various people was they instigated it and asked Hong Kong government to do something about it because uh, this Chiao Jianhua was arrested or well, well, abducted. They've from, been asking for that for years. Yes, for twenty years, in fact. Yes. But they nothing happened. They didn't get it for 20 years. And then Hong Kong government got very upset when, when this children law was scrapped, you know, probably through extrajudicial means and secret police from, from England. And, and Hong Kong government reacted very strongly. And then this, uh, this disciplinary co committee, which you mentioned, well, well, if you don't let me grab people legally, give me the law. Uh, again, you've, you've said that we should concentrate on, on, on internal politics within uh, the mainland. Are, are you basically saying that the, the protests in Hong Kong have been fanned or been encouraged by factions, different factions within the mainland? That's what uh, Reuters implied in the, on the article. Is that, what you, is that your understanding? That's my understanding. That's your understanding. And yeah, Reuters then came up with the full story for reason that I do not know. Maybe there's a follow-up story. Okay, well, well, we'll leave that there for the moment. Let's try and get back to Legco, which is what, <laughs> the, what we originally planned to, to talk about. Uh, uh, Emily Lau, uh, we see uh, the the business of a lot of the business of Legco uh, crawling, uh, slowing to a crawl, uh, I guess, especially with that with the House Committee and, and the issues there. Um, wh what do you make of that? Um, uh, do you think that's legitimate? Do you think that that's something that the party should be doing, or should they be getting on with the business of, of passing legislation, shaping and discussing legislation, uh, rather than the eternal blocking? Well, I think the uh, situation in LegCo is um, a reflection of the uh, problems of Hong Kong, in which the uh, Carrie Lam administration and the pro-Beijing camp uh, try to dominate everything and uh, would not talk to, uh, would not negotiate, would not have discussion with the pro-democracy legislators in the LegCo. Politics is about compromise, having discussion, and uh, you take some, I win some. But now, over there, because they have a majority, because of the undemocratic electoral system, so they think that every time when something's put to a vote, uh, they will win. 
And this is this is no way to behave, especially when people know that uh, the fact that you have a majority is because of the undemocratic uh, system. I mean, if it's a democratic system, if universal suffrage, you get a majority of seats, fine, you form the government. But this is not the case. So, and you look at the way they behave uh, at the beginning of this final year in, uh, ses- in this session, they, they try to take most of the seats in the committee, the chair and the vice- deputy chair. So you can see their domineering behavior and the way they try to bulldoze things through. And uh, I mean, I think many Hong Kong people have seen this, and I think they, they feel equally angry. Of course, we want things to get done in LegCo, where they have discussion, compromises, consensus, but this is not the way they're behaving. Emily, even if we take all of that, and I take most of it, um, or much of it, nonetheless, surely there's some non-controversial items that should be going through. I mean, what are we going to do when the post office has got no stamps or the water supplies have got no pipes or the hospitals have got no medicine? We, we, we must be able to s- distinguish a few key issues where you fight the pro-administration like tooth maternity and nail. Leave, like maternity leave. Yeah, like maternity leave, like the civil service pay rise, which you've alienated a million people there easily. Well, I don't mean the maternity leave. I think Hong Kong has been talking about it for several decades. So it's not as if it's just being stopped for a few weeks. Well, why is it? Why is it that we have not had maternity leave for so long? Again, it's the people who held the majority in the Legislative Council and this non-elected government. So uh, what I'm saying is maternity leave or other things can be uh, handled in a civilized way if those people who hold a majority in LegCo would act in a civilized way and have respect for the others. And not just those puppets in LegCo, but the Carrie Lam administration and the mainland authorities. If that's the way they treat the pro-democracy legislators and the Hong Kong people, so I think, what can we say? The struggle is going to continue, Mike. And as we said earlier, we're going to sink to the bottom of the Victoria Harbour. TC, in a comment on our Facebook page, says this term of LegCo was meant to fail from the start. It began with the government arbitrarily disqualifying candidates. The problem degraded further with Sixtus Lung, uh, YWC, that's Yung Wai Chung, is it? And six more uh, members DQ'd by the courts and made me question the impartiality of the judicial system. But it's another discussion for another day. If LegCo is believed to be functioning properly, there would have been proper checks on the government and the extradition bill would never have progressed to a point where radical protest was needed to stop it. That's from a TC uh, on our Facebook page. Um, Alan Lung, your thoughts on, on the operation of LegCo now? Well, what can I say? Emily is a more experienced legislator for <laughs> how many years it's been going on. The only two the uh, pandemicrats has is sort of this filibustering. And they, uh, my observation is they don't really have a too uh, strong, tool-like policy to fight against the government. So it's descending to, to this. And uh, the, the Hong, Kong SAR, Hong Kong SAR government is not reacting it's a children's playground yeah. tactic. <laughs> yeah. right? This is what you expect from seven-year-olds until yes. an adult that, that, steps in. And, that's and what I was trying to say. <laughs> boxes a few ears. Yes. Of course, you're not allowed to do that anymore. But Well, what can you say? 
Uh, okay, a couple more comments from uh, more from listeners. Uh, Andrew K says on Emily Lau. Really, who does she represent? Why do you allow her to rant? Send her home. <laughs> uh, that's, that's from uh, Andrew K. And uh, Phil B also says, for God's sake, stop giving Emily a platform to air her biased left-wing views. The crowd yesterday were few, and this shows that the cause is losing its attraction. The people of Hong Kong are fed up with these protests and the vandalism. The Democrats need to look for ways to solve the problems and stop harping on about five demands and no less. That comes uh, from uh, Phil B. Um, Alan, what do you make of that uh, approach from uh, uh, TC on, on our Facebook page, basically saying that this, um, the, executive, the Legislative Council is, is completely unrepresentative of the people at the moment. It has no kind of legitimacy in those terms. Well, the young people tend to agree that this is why they, they're not aligning themselves with political parties. The problem is the middle ground party, the moderate ones, like Hong Kong Democratic Foundation, which I was affiliated with for a long time, the moderate rational views, you know, the, the real, real, you know, real, providing real solution. You cannot get elected in Hong Kong. The middle ground, you never get elected. Neither does the path of democracy. They'll never be elected. <laughs> that's, that's reality. So to get elected, you really, really have to be quite radical. And you focus on the tactics in in uh, in, uh, in election tactics and ignore the policy, or you you align yourself with the Chinese liaison office and get sort of those uh, score ironclad of votes. So we're in between the devil and the deep blue sea. Yes, <laughs> this is why we're sinking to the bottom of the Victoria Harbour. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, what do you think? Give us a call. 233-88266 is the number. We're going to continue the conversation uh, just after the news at nine in uh, three minutes' time. Got some uh, e emails on uh, other issues uh, as well, uh, including that decision to delay the uh, IPCC uh, report. Uh, any thoughts on that? Drop us a line, backchatter.thk.hk, or as I say, call us on 233-88266. Here's the weather before now the news at nine o'clock. It's going to be mainly cloudy today, cool this morning, and Sunny periods forecast during the day, temperatures up to about 21 degrees. Moderate northerly winds becoming easterlies later. And the outlook, sunny periods in the next few days. Humid with fog in the middle and latter parts of this week. And it's going to be warm during the day. 17 degrees now, humidity is at 78%. Departure of two of the team from Iran, the Canadian Transportation Safety Board said their Iranian counterparts had been cooperative and helpful. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, Bank Chat on a Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're continuing our discussion about uh, the uh, protests and also about uh, LegCo. I think the protests are going to be the main uh, focus of uh, attention today following what happened yesterday. In our central studio, Alan Lung, Governor of the Path of Democracy, and Emily Lau, a former uh, legislator, former head of the, of the Democratic Party. Uh, later, Fred Lee is also going to be joining us once again. If you want to chip in, call us, 233-88266. We'll put you on air. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page. Or drop us a line through uh, an email. Okay, a longer email from uh, Bowen on a kind of related event before we get to the immediate reaction to uh, our discussion this morning uh, so far. Uh, Bowen says... 
uh, on the postponement of the publication of the IPCC's interim report. Uh, first of all, a chronology of events. Soon after the protest broke out in June last year, the public demanded the government to appoint a judge-led commission of inquiry to look into the entire extradition bill saga and its aftermath. The government refused to comply, insisting that the IPCC was the appropriate vehicle for conducting investigations. Five international policing experts were recruited to assist the IPCC. These five experts later decided to stand aside, citing, quote, a crucial shortfall evident in the powers, capacity and independent investigative capability, unquote, of the IPCC as the reason. An activist applied for judicial review, alleging that the IPCC did not have the statutory authority to fact-find and proactively start a probe into the social unrest. On the 20th of December, the court granted leave for the judicial review application, but the IPCC pressed on with its work. Almost a month later, on the 16th of January, despite no injunction having been issued by the court against the publication of the IPCC reports, but after press reports had disclosed that the IPCC's interim report found, quote, many shortcomings, unquote, of the police. The IPCC decided to postpone the publication of the interim report scheduled for late January, early February, until after the delivery of the judgment in the judicial review. According to a South China Morning Post source, the report could be published sooner, but not before March, if the IPCC applied to court to speed up proceedings. But the IPCC didn't spell out whether it would formally make such an application, while one legislator suggests that the stalemate could drag on for years if the case goes to the Court of final appeal. Analysis. Given that the five international experts found the shortfall of the IPCC's powers to be so evident and that the court also found the judicial challenge against the statutory authority of the IPCC's actions so reasonably arguable, what was it that had blindfolded the government as to the obvious legal and other problems of relying so heavily on the IPCC knowing it has such limited statutory powers? Why has the government so stubbornly refused since the third quarter of last year until now to accept the public's demand for a judge-led inquiry, especially it would have clearly have avoided the problems which now plague the IPCC investigation and the publication of its interim report? It also needs to be observed that the review committee floated by the CE to look for the underlying causes of the unrest will suffer from the same lack of powers of the IPCC, maybe even more so, as the CE and Matthew Chung have made clear it will not have subpoena and, vent and investigative powers. After all, we are not conducting an academic study here, but a hard-nosed and in-depth scrutiny of the causes of entrenched social conflicts, for which the most useful informants may not necessarily be forthcoming. These are questions the government really needs to provide satisfactory answers for, assuming it cares about its credibility. Those observations from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, and just as a, a note, uh, the uh, Bar Association has uh, published an outline of a uh, uh, the terms of reference for a, for a commission of inquiry and how that might work. Uh, and I think we're going to be discussing that at some point uh, later this week uh, on Back Chat. I, I remember also there was a session, one or more sessions at Hong Kong University talking about the terms of reference of a suitable independent commission of inquiry as well. So there's been quite a lot of very serious work uh, on that subject, but the, but the government's just not interested. Um, and now the five overseas experts, having seen what was going on or not going on, they're not prepared to leave their own credibility uh, on the table for, for misuse. They've just walked away. And who can blame them? Yeah. And I heard, now I must say I heard no evidence that there's a recommendation in the IPCC report that they should set up 
an independent commission of inquiry. Chaired by High Court judge? Well, whatever. But they support that. Now that report is going to be delayed <laughs> for months or years. It's so going be, uh, It's going to be buried, if that's that what was, it yeah. says. <laughs> that, was, that was reported in the press as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, but, that was claimed but, in the press. That, but that, nobody has come out to confirm it. So, uh, But it's very sad. And it shows you that it, the, I, the, the way of the IPCC inquiry does not work. And you're right. Even if they have, if they have this commission of review, it won't work. It's not going to help Hong Kong solve the problem. They can't find anyone to chair it yet. Well, she said she's found someone for the uh, Commission of Review, but I don't know who it is. Well, but it's not going to work. You'll probably get a gold bohemia star, though. <laughs> <laughs> probably got one already. Before, yeah. uh, Alan, well, Alan Long, do you want to comment on that? or not Comment on, on what? You said so many things. I, okay. <laughs> it's really about the IPCC report. I mean, uh, 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 Bowen and... Uh, and Emily Lau were expressing their concern about you know the delay for the publication of the IPC report. If you, do you have any thoughts on that or not? I, I, I heard from uh, someone, who, uh, a respected journalist, who's, who's married to a former executive councillor. He said people who, who, who were invited to, to uh, join the uh, uh, commission of, not in commission of inquiry. Independent the, review committee. The review committee was told by government that, oh, you should recommend it, the, the, uh, the Independent Investigation C Commission. So the government is really not willing to, to make the initiative to uh, start out this commission that everybody wants. And they're trying to rely on the people who have invited to the committee to recommend it. And they may accept or not accept it, depending on their needs. But, but I mean, <laughs> going back to Emily's point, I think most people, I hope, agree that it's not focused on the police. It deals with the origin of the problem. It deals with the use of violence by all parties. It deals with the issue of yes. possible foreign funding, or perhaps I should change that to external foreign funding so I don't get into trouble <laughs> <laughs> with, with the difference between the mainland and Taiwan, the renegade province. Um, so it, it should be comprehensive. And it will take so, a long time. Everybody agree, agrees, and in the path of democracy, actually came up with the idea of this uh, uh, reconciliation and truth, truth and reconciliation committee, which include MST and MST power. So there's no agreement amongst the more rational people that a commission of inquiry should be set up. Why is the government resisting? That I don't know. Okay, here's some thoughts from our listeners. Uh, let's do them kind of one by one. Uh, Alan says, uh, uh, I hope you've got slightly thick skins, by the way, over there in <laughs> Central central Studio. I've, I've edited out a couple which are just frankly abusive. So we'll, this, is, this is the good stuff, all right? Uh, Alan says, back chat, yet again you have a guest claiming there are hundreds of millions being paid by mysterious foreign forces that motivate the violent protests. The government has been claiming this since Occupy. They've been investigating this for five years. If there was a skerrick of proof, they would be trumpeting it. They have none, but all they do is keep claiming there is a conspiracy. This is the same playbook Trump plays by. Just throw out any and all accusations and repeat them louder. And the only sources they cite are vague reports and made-up garbage from Facebook. The people who did the most to provoke the protests are CY Lung and Carrie. The anger and even violence are the result of the contempt with which Hong Kong people are being treated. Disqualifying elected members on top of the rotten borough of functional constituencies have delegitimized the government. Only street protest gives the people a voice. 
Uh, that's uh, Alan's take. That's a different Alan. Uh, okay, this is from uh, Drake, who says, Mike, uh, imagine your son going out to have lunch at a food court just to find out he was sitting next to a famous blue ribbonist beef rice shop. He took out his phone to take a picture to perhaps post it on Instagram. Two men in ordinary sportswear went up to confront your son, yelling that he's infringed their privacy by snapping them into the photo. The pair then brandished their batons to fend off others who tried to help your son. Bewildered and helpless, your son got arrested. On the way home, one of the plainclothes rubbed his gun on your son's shirt, threatening, how about charging you for trying to snatch my gun? How about that? You rushed to the police station with the district councillor, but the officers kept denying you to meet your son. You later receive a call from your detained son. Father, they punched me in the nose and the groin. Save me. This was, that was the lawlessness from our law enforcement that the public, general public is facing every day. But many learnt fellows fell completely for the government's propaganda, finding it righteous and fashionable to condemn selective violence from one vandal out of 50 peaceful protesters, oblivious to the brutality inflicted upon the rest of the 49. Mike, you are lucky that your son didn't take that picture, but somebody else's son did last Tuesday. The turmoil that he and his father went through would have been a science fiction had it not been reported by Apple Daily. The kid is now persecuted for assaulting the police by flashing strong light at them with a torch, which he never took out of his backpack. If you don't understand what is driving the people's sentiment, I'm afraid you are too detached from the reality. That comes from Drake. Oh, that, that's me. <laughs> I'm the Mike in that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I have three sons. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm lucky they're all overseas at the moment. Um, but the point is taken. There have been injustices and there have been cases of excessive police force and, and police misconduct. Indeed, they have, and they do need to be included in the terms of reference of an independent commission of inquiry headed by a high court judge with powers of subpoena and people giving evidence under oath. I totally agree with that, and let's get on with it. And, and for heaven's sake, Carrie, I, 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 don't, I suspect you don't listen to this. Um, I'm sure somebody on behalf of the liaison office is listening <laughs> this issue is not going to go away until people get at least the commission of inquiry and a resumption of the progress towards the democratic reform that the basic law promises us. Mike, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you saying Kerry doesn't listen to RTHK because she actually said that at a FCC cocktail reception when somebody mentioned, oh, I'm from RTHK. Does anybody listen to RTHK anymore? I think that's what it's she the said. Language, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can confirm that, can you not? <laughs> so uh, it is quite, quite terrible. And I think many people listen to RTHK and, uh, and not just the English speaking community. There are many Hong Kong, Chinese, Hong Kong residents who listen to RTHK. And to think that the chief executive would say such thing about RTHK, it's really... Well, well, of course, some people are pressing now for an audit, value for money, study and everything, hinting that maybe RTHK should be closed down. Well, I think we should audit the police who are getting <laughs> how many billions of dollars for overtime pay. I mean, really, it's... There are so many problems facing Hong Kong. Yeah, we, okay. we can't really complain. <laughs> if they, We make them work overtime 
They've got to get overtime pay. What about those who work overtime at RTHK? I think they have a, a you know a, a deficit of five million dollars or something. Or, uh, your several dozen advisors or consultants have written this, uh, to urge the government to give RTHK more money. And the secretary, uh, Mr. Edward Yao, immediately came out and said, "No, no, no, you've got enough." So anyway, I don't think we're okay. here to discuss. We, yeah, we, I think I'm going to be banned yeah, <laughs> forever from we, this program. We, we've, we've got, well, there is some discussion of RTHK in an email that we will get to in just, in just a moment. But Emily, you haven't escaped, obviously. Uh, okay, here's some for you. Some, uh, <laughs> Why not? Sam says, young people may not be aligned with the Democratic Party, but their actions show they are propping up the Democrats and the Democrats come out to whitewash their actions. Emily Lau has been in politics since the early 90s. However, at no point she was interested or concerned to agitate against the colonial rulers demanding universal franchise. Had that happened, these present-day problems would not be there. Old guard of the Democrats are to be blamed for the present-day woes in Hong Kong, pursuing an agenda they were never concerned. But, Emily but... and the Democrats are a bunch of self-centred, uh, failed politicians who are fanning the fires of today in Hong Kong. That comes uh, from Sam. But she, wait, she wait, did. wait, hey, wait. We <laughs> Andrew says uh, she. You're going to say she did. All right. Okay. Um, uh, Andrew says really depressing to hear Emily Lau, someone I used to genuinely respect, talk the way she did this morning on Backchat. I want to hear one supposed Democrat with the courage to unequivocally condemn the violence, but it seems I'll have to wait a long time yet. Emily talks about sacrifices of the thugs vandalising the cenotaph, people who made the ultimate sacrifice, of course, against genuine tyranny. You couldn't make it up. It's so ludicrous. What about the sacrifice of the poorest people in Hong Kong who aren't university student elites with the bank of mum and dad to turn to who are losing their minimum wage jobs in cleaning and dishwashing, Emily. The hotel chambermaids, the mum-and-pop stall owners, you said it's just not about housing or economics, but it's pretty easy for you in your cushy Legco jobs and nice homes you own on the south side to be fine to sacrifice their livelihoods for your political ends. If you won't condemn the violence we saw yesterday, Emily, would you at least condemn the vile xenophobic chants and banners directed towards ordinary mainland Chinese people? And uh, Jim says, uh, but Emily, we have ample evidence of vandalism, violence on innocent bystanders by protesters and inflammatory statements by their leaders. Why no outright criticism of their behaviour, which is harming rather than resolving issues? Of course, Carrie Lam is ultimately to blame. But if the protesters really love their city and its people, why are they destroying their property and livelihoods? Democracy advocates, my foot. That comes from Jim. Emily Lau? Well, I have never supported violence. I never did throughout my journalistic and political career. Have you I, condemned it? Well, I don't support it. I never associate myself with any form of violence by anyone. But I can say it's the police brutality which have made this uh, protest against the extradition bill morphed into the biggest crisis in Hong Kong's history at first. The protests were very peaceful. And then we saw the tear gas, the beating and so on. And the rest is history. And I have never supported violence. So, I mean, as I said, let's have the investigation. People have to be responsible for what they say and do. And, but this thing has to be resolved. So I, I, I just want to say again, I've said it on many international, in many international media and elsewhere, I never support violence and neither does the Democratic Party. But 
I think the police brutality and the violence that the Hong Kong government imposed on us may not be that visible. Okay, it's something that we all are trying. Are trying to rebel against. All right. Well, Andrew in that message says, if you won't condemn the violence we saw yesterday, Emily, would you at least condemn the vile xenophobic chants and banners directed towards ordinary mainland Chinese people? Well, of course, I, I'm against all forms of discrimination, whether it's mainlanders or locals or whatever. And, and I have my very solid track record in Lechco. I'm against any form of discrimination, even though... Even though in my when I stood for election in ninety one, in my constituency there were both people in the camps, and I said, I think we should be humanitarian towards the both people. We are, we were immigrants. We were immigrants here seeking refuge from the Hong Kong authorities. So we should be humanitarian. If you don't agree with me, don't vote for me. Okay, and uh, one more comment from uh, another Andrew, different Andrew, third Andrew, says, uh, Dear Backchat, surely there is no point in discussing why the government is not allowing an independent inquiry. If there was nothing to hide, everyone above primary school age understands this to mean two things. One, Beijing forbids it. We don't have an SAR government anymore and no one debates or argues with a Beijing command. Second, the reason Beijing forbids it is that there is plenty to hide that is a being allowed by the greater regime that we think of as the Hong Kong government that will never be allowed to be transparently investigated. End of. Um, that's uh, Andrew's take on things. Thank you very much indeed for those. And thank you to our guests this morning, to uh, Emily Lam, uh, former legislator of the Democratic Party, sometime back chat host, and uh, Alan Lung. Thank you very much indeed, Governor of the uh, Path of Democracy. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, Fred Lee has joined us now, the former le legislator. Uh, thanks for uh, uh, we'll get to him in, in just a moment. Uh, first, uh, as mentioned, another email uh, on the subject of uh, RTHK. Um, there was a protest uh, organised uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, and uh, Richard, yes, Richard, uh, responding to um, that, says, uh, I was surprised and impressed that in an all-too-rare display of journalistic integrity, RTHK actually reported a protest against uh, in inverted commas, cockroach radio and opposition to additional funding being given to RTHK. It's amazing how your journalistic integrity seems to appear whenever RTHK senses an existential threat to itself. That RTHK didn't ask the government for the money to change its current logo to that of a brown, multi-legged insect is also remarkable. Of course, if RTHK had done a proper job of professional and fair reporting all along, no one would complain. If RTHK wants to prove it can continue as a viable entity, it should crowdsource rather than get its bosses in the Democratic Party to propose that the government's next budget includes a $5 billion seed fund for RTHK or get its committee to, amend, to recommend additional or any money from the government. Uh, and then in a later email, Richard says, just as soon as I say something nice about two isolated instances of journalistic integrity, RTHK counters with journalistic trash. In its coverage of the Sunday rally in Central, RTHK led with stories whose titles suggested it's continuing its taxpayer-funded vendetta against the police. RTHK also d downplayed the fact that police were beaten in unprovoked attacks and did not mention that photographers deliberately prevented police from carrying out their duties. Uh, something other radio stations and media outlets dutifully noted. Uh, but then it's, in its piece uh, 
with the headline, I think, protesters say police heavy-handed in ending rally. RTHK quoted a Muslim who said that you need freedom of speech and assembly to have a free economy and that local businesses cannot survive without taking a political stance, a remark that was completely incorrect and ignorant given that businesses took political stance because of protesters, not the Chinese or Hong Kong governments, and because Singapore proves that you can have economic freedom and restrict freedom of speech and assembly at the same time. In airing Ms. Lam's comment, RTHK showed that it's so obsessed with doing hit pieces on the police, it doesn't care about fairly reporting facts, and it will republish anything promoting its narrative, however idiotic. That comes uh, from Richard. Thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, Fred Lee, good morning to you. Uh, your thoughts, basically, on, on on what happened yesterday. Uh, first of all, do you read from the numbers and the people who were attending that support is uh, dwindling for the protesters? Um, you know, two different figures: one from police, one from the you know the, the rally organisers. <laughs> yeah. So, so drastic different. So uh, I'm not there, so I can't really you know give you a really. A, uh, my assessment, but anyway, at least more than twenty thousand or ten thousand people coming up for sure, and uh, and not just the young people. And I think the, 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 some kind of uh, peaceful and reasonable group of people also coming out for for the rally. I mean, not not the not the march, okay, not a demonstration, but the meeting itself. I think a lot of uh, people still want to join. But the Cheda Garden is too small to accommodate more people. And uh, but unfortunately, every time the peaceful meeting, you know, some, you know, the black, the black guy, you know, black uniform guys, uh, the, 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 they are more tend to violent uh, demonstration, and they will block the road. And uh, I, I think that's the problem. And but uh, that's the reality now. How about the, the desecration of the? Uh, war memorial. Pardon me? All right. Well, you've, you've got there a, a memorial to the people who gave their lives in the World War for against tyranny and for freedom, and yet yeah. you've got people trampling all over that on, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. You, you see, the society is so polarised, so polarised, so uh, RTH case also in the middle of the storm now because of the funding and the budget or whatnot, and uh, and the peace, even peaceful meetings they always end up you know some violent action because the people are not patient, especially the young people now. They ask for international censor, you know, to boycott uh, some some measures, you know, to to push the government to uh, hopefully to press the government for universal suffrage. So now the attention is going more to the police brutality and uh, universal suffrage. No more about the extradition bill because that is that already. So um, I think the, the attention of the coming legislative elections pretty soon, September, you know, the universal suffrage, both the election and the legislative council election, we become, I think, we become the main theme. How do we unglue LegCo work work at the, in the interim? I mean, it's absurd. There's nothing uh, happening. I, 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 I have no... Uh, what, what should I say? I, I'm pessimistic. Before July, the end of the four years' term, you know, a lot of the bills, even though really approaching the end, scrutinising the bill, still, I think, have to come back again in the new 
latch code because uh, I, I, the House committee is not really functioning, you know. So, so they will not, you know, uh, arrange any kind of uh, re, uh, resuming the second read of the bill. Once you don't have the House committee, it's not performing the function. Then the regular latch code sittings cannot really, you know, performing the the bills passing process. I think that's the problem now. There were two particular events yesterday which were which were of concern of made headlines. One is the attack on those two uh, policemen. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, my from my own experience, you know, they are the PCRO, you know, police community relation officers. Uh, I see a lot of those people, you know, liaise with the rally organizer, marching organizers. And I'm sure they know this guy because they are stationed in the central and western district because they belong to different districts. And, you, so, 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 and I, you're I, saying that Ventus Lau knew who they were, and so... Uh, so I don't believe him. So because, when uh, he asked for their... He didn't need to ask for their warrant card. Uh, usually they don't wear the warrant card because you know them in the meetings, you know them a lot in the phone call and meeting personally. That's my experience, okay? I, I tell you. Okay. If you organize a rally... For sure, the PCRO in that district will frequently liaise with you, and you know those guys, one or two persons at least. So if they... Are you saying the police were right to arrest him because he was just troublemaking, essentially, by asking, demanding to... making a big public fuss about their... I think think if you want to stop a meeting, you know, suddenly, I think that's not, not also a wise move. You should actually ask the organizer quietly, in, in not in the, in the middle of the meeting, tell them, you know, you should disperse the people, you let the people, you know, they already actually do that, you know, going not be, until the end of the meeting. They already ask the people, you know, to uh, leave the venue to the MOT station or central station. But something happened in other places in central by other people, not those in the meeting. So I think it's a judgment by the police at that time to stop, to suspend that uh, meeting. But I think I, I myself is not really, um, I, I would not go for that decision. Yeah, what about the police tactics which seem to be at the moment to allow some rallies, but then as soon as there is violence, uh, even if that's kind of on the fringe of it, to, to stop it, uh, stop the rallies and ask, order people to disperse and then kind of act fairly decisively to, to, to do that. That seems to be the, the tactic now. Yeah, uh, yeah, the tactics. And even the whole tactics of the government is hopefully, you know, the, the violent, uh, you know, uh, all the force by those young people will really, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, the other people, even though they support the five demands, but they really try to cut off their uh, relationship with those uh, violent people. I think the government is waiting for that to happen, but I, I'm sure that will not happen. You don't, you don't think it's going to happen? It, it will not happen, I, I'm sure, because until you changed Terry Lamb, Secretary for Justice, you know, so I think, uh, I think uh, uh, otherwise it's difficult to change the whole situation. It's not changing fast enough, is it? No, like a turtle, Mike. Mm. You and I, I'm sure we are worried against violence. I, I don't support those, uh, you know, uh, damaging the shops and uh, 
auto tender machines and MTR station. But what, what can we do? The government is like, like turtles, don't really react. We asked for, you know, independent inquiry commission. They now come up with a, some sort of a, a evaluation committee. <laughs> so they're not really solving the problem. Okay, just a few comments. Uh, thanks, Fred Lee. A few comments to wrap up. Uh, Jeremy says, uh, Emily Lau is on the radio. She talks about history. The only history that applies to her, the histrionics that she is spouting on air. She refuses to condemn the violence. That comes from Jeremy. Uh, Philippe says, Mr Lung alleges without... This was uh, Alan Lung in the first part of the programme. Alleges without evidence foreign funding as an important motivator for the protest. Mr Lung, what are your own motivations for appearing on Backchat? Is your actual pur purpose to change minds and present new ideas? Years, or is it merely to earn brownie points with your Beijing minders by attempting to build respectability for English speakers in the SAR? Uh, Bowen says, uh, Dear Baxter, I'm not sure which Andrew wrote the last message read out by Hugh before he started the second topic for today. Uh, of course, Andrew, any adult of average intelligence knows the reason why the government has to refuse to appoint an independent inquiry, i.e. lack of Beijing's permission. That's actually been repeatedly reported in the English press. But it behooves all of us to press the SAR government, not because we want to antagonise Beijing, but because an independent inquiry is absolutely necessary to find out the truth behind many of the phenomena in the last year. Even pro-establishment figures like Holok Sang recently said that's the case. That comes uh, from Bowen. And uh, Yan says, I suggest your listeners uh, go to Central and see the protest instead of commenting on press reports. Went to the classic car show to see cars and bikes, yet there was a group of aggressively dressed riot police among the car show inciting the public, a public that was only interested in looking at old bikes and cars. Uh, there was also a peaceful group in Cheta Garden surrounded by police on every corner, yet there was no evidence of violence and vandalism. Yet on the way home, the number 13 bus could not get past a vehicle double parked on double yellow lines, preventing the bus to continue on Wellington Street. This is no longer a Police force like the one I served in, but a bunch of gangsters looking for trouble. I am not surprised two undercover dressed like vandals police got caught up and beaten up. That's uh, Jan's take. Thanks for uh, those comments. And Mike, many thanks to you. Yeah, things don't seem to be calming down, Hugh. They don't, I'm afraid. Yeah, as I say, we will return to the issue of the uh, IPCC report and the uh, Bar Association's proposals uh, at some point uh, in this week. Um, should be interesting. In the meantime, Mike, thank you very much indeed. And the weather, mainly cloudy, cool this morning, sunny periods during the day, 18 degrees now, humidity at 77%. When handling fresh and chilled poultry, we must observe good hygiene and follow steps to prevent avian influenza. When buying live chickens, never touch them and do not blow at their bottoms. After handling poultry and eggs, do not touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. Clean your hands and the utensils used. The core temperature of food should reach 75 degrees Celsius. Eggs should be fully cooked, too. The Food and Environmental Hygiene Department reminds you to maintain good hygiene and eat safely to prevent avian influenza. 9.35, the news now with Samantha Butler. China has reported a third death and around 140.